In the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Merry Christmas again. Um, I know the world has moved on from Christmas, uh, but the church hasn't. We haven't. Uh, today is actually a continuation of Christmas. Uh, this is considered the first Sunday after, or the first Sunday of Christmas, uh, or the, the seventh day in the 12 days of Christmas, which begin on Christmas Day and continue until uh, right before Epiphany. Uh, so in, in the uh, church calendar, today is the first Sunday of Christmas, and in the secular calendar, uh, today is New Year's Eve. Um, and to be honest, I think these days go together very, very well, and I couldn't have planned it better myself. I think this text, it's Luke chapter 2, and this time of the year, the very end of it, uh, go together so beautifully, um, and it's so good. It is, it is very good. In Luke chapter 2, the gospel lesson, Jesus is still a baby. Uh, we know that at, on the eighth day, he was circumcised, so he was brought to the temple then. And then 40 days later, uh, after his birth, then he was uh, back in the temple at 40 days old. And there are two reasons for this. Uh, the first reason is the purification of Mary. And we learn this from the text that according to Leviticus chapter 12, uh, all of Israel had been doing this for uh, millennia. Every mother went to the temple to be ritually purified, ceremonially purified, uh, after having given birth. And so that's what they would do. Um, <clears throat> and so this was 40 days. This is what the Lord had commanded. After the birth, the, on the 40th day, this would happen. But by the way, just a comment here. The church does observe the purification of Mary. And that happens, if you count the days after uh, December 25th, it will take you to February 2nd every year, uh, that, that following year. That is 40 days after Christmas. And it's church tradition that the Christmas decorations in the church remain until the purification of Mary, the 40th day, so that they're put up on uh, December 24th, and then they remain until February 2nd. Uh, Again, I'm not telling you what to do in your homes. You could leave your <laughs> take your trees down, whatever. Uh, but that's what we do in the church. Uh, this is what, how the church has, throughout history, observed this. And they've left the, uh, the Christmas decorations up uh, throughout that whole time. Um, now, back to the text. The first reason that Mary and Joseph and Jesus are in the temple is for the purification of Mary, according to Leviticus 12. But the second reason is the presentation of the Lord, um, the presentation of the firstborn male. According to the Bible, again, uh, Leviticus says, every male child who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord so that they are consecrated and set apart. And since Jesus was her first and only male child at the time, she took him to the temple to be presented. So then now this is what brings them there. For Mary's purification, she needs a sacrifice. And that's what the scriptures uh, uh, dictated. If you were wealthy, you could afford a lamb as a sacrifice. But if you were poor, then you could afford the smallest sacrifice. The smallest one they have, which was uh, two turtle doves 
or two young pigeons. And Joseph and Mary could only afford that, which tells us that they were quite poor. Now, when Mary and Joseph, they go to offer the sacrifice, it's at this point. So all, all, everything I've been saying all up until now has been normal, just what everybody else would do. But then when they're in the temple this time, something strange happens and something different happens. There's a man in, living in Jerusalem by the name of Simeon, whose name means God has heard. And he is in the temple, and he's working there, and he was a pious, he was a devout and righteous man. Uh, Simeon had been told by God himself. God himself told uh, Simeon, he said, you will not die, you will not see death before you have seen the Lord's Christ. So that your eyes would see the Messiah before you die. That was his promise to him. We don't know how long of uh, 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 an, an amount of time he had waited to see this or when he was told and when he eventually saw it. Um, but there was some time between the time he heard this and the time he actually saw Jesus. And so Simeon, he was working in the temple and he waited in the temple for this day. Uh, the Bible says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, that is the comfort of Israel, according to Isaiah uh, 40. Uh, Another way to put it is the setting free of Israel from their sins. He was waiting for that. And Simeon isn't waiting for some nebulous sign in the clouds. He's not waiting for like some intense emotion uh, in his heart or in his soul. He's not waiting for political or economic change. He's not watching these things. Simeon is waiting for a person, for someone. He's waiting for the promised Messiah, the seed of Eve, the savior of the world. However, God didn't tell him beforehand when he would see him or how he would see him or where he would see him. Only that he would see him. And so Simeon, as far as we know, had no idea what to expect or look for in this person. He had no physical description whatsoever. He had no unique features. It wasn't like he would have a scar on his face or that he would be of a, uh, he would have a certain birthmark or something like this. He didn't even know how old this person would be when he would see the Messiah. So I imagine that from the moment God told him that, Simeon was deeply attentive to every single person he came across. I imagine that if you had been told this information, that you would not see death until you saw the Christ, that you would be paying attention to every single person, scanning every person left and right, analyzing each person's behavior, their speech, all that sort of stuff. And for sure, we know that he saw strong men and intelligent men and wise men and powerful men and pious and influential men and uh, righteous men, and none of these were the Christ. And then the Bible tells us that one day Simeon goes to the temple again, and this time he is filled with the Holy Spirit, like he did to Elizabeth and to John the Baptist. And Simeon sees Joseph and he sees Mary holding a baby who is 40 days old, and the Holy Spirit reveals to him that this one is the Christ. That this helpless little baby will deliver Israel from her sins and the sins of the world. 
It wasn't the mighty or the strong or the wise or intelligent or pious wealthy men that he saw, but this helpless, lowly little baby, this infant, is the king of the world. And then Simeon takes the baby into his arms and he blessed God. Uh, he said these words. He said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. And when Mary and Joseph heard that, when they heard those words, the Bible says they marveled at what was said about him. The word marvel there is a very uh, big and heavy word in the scriptures. That word is used when people see Jesus perform a miracle, when they see a sign from heaven, something amazing happened before their eyes. And then it says, they marveled at this. Now, Mary and Joseph have that same exact reaction to this man speaking, simply just saying those words. Nothing was glowing, nothing was shining. He just simply said those words, and then they marvel at this. Now, consider this from Mary and Joseph's uh, point of view. Here's a man they never met, doesn't know their names, where they're from, or anything else that had happened in the past 40 days or nine months before then. Mary and Joseph know all that they went through. They know about the conception, the birth. They know about the name, where the name Jesus came from. They know about the angels that appeared to them in the dream, in the vision, the shepherds. Uh, they know about Elizabeth and John the Baptist and so on. So Mary and Joseph know all these things. They're not even uh, saying these things because they're... They're looked down upon for this. They're laughed at and mocked for these things. So they, they know all of this that has happened to them, and they're kind of keeping it quiet to themselves. Hardly anybody else knows it. And then Simeon, a guy they have never met, sees a baby, which uh, a, a baby, by the way, looks like every other baby in the world. They all look the same uh, at 40 days old. He sees this and he picks this baby out from all the other babies. And he bursts out in song and says that my eyes have seen the salvation of Yahweh, the salvation of God. And this baby, 40 days old, is nothing special when you look at him. There's no halo or radiant beams. He's not talking. He's just a plain, regular baby. Hasn't said a word hasn't lifted a finger, and yet Simeon knows that this is the Christ, that this is the Messiah. And he knows what this baby has come to do. This, by the way, uh, verifies the fact that his words were indeed given by the Holy Spirit, and it simply confirmed and solidified everything that Mary and Joseph already knew about the baby. This is a, just a, a spectacular, an astounding uh, moment in the life of uh, Mary and Joseph. I wish I had de uh, time to go into the details of every single point in this account. Uh, you should study it. It is good. Uh, make that your New Year's resolution. Just read all of Luke chapter 2 uh, and study it in detail. For now, I'm just going to focus on Simeon's words and the very first words he says, which are, Lord, now lettest thou, thou thy servant uh, depart in peace. Uh, 
I've read some commentaries and heard some sermons on this, and uh, some pastors and theologians have said something like, what Simeon is saying here is, Lord, discharge me from my temple service. So here I've been working my whole life, and now I don't have to work anymore. So let me off the hook. Like, let, let me depart in peace. Uh, my work here is done. And I've heard that. And that is so obviously wrong. That is not what he's saying. Because Simeon, even before, he's not saying, Lord, now I can finally retire. Now I can finally rest. He's not saying that. Simeon is saying, I can now die. I can now breathe my last. My heart can fail me at this very moment and can stop beating this very second. Because I, have not, I now see what I've been waiting to see my entire life. I now see what the world has been waiting for, what has been promised from of old. And it is so obviously uh, uh, the, the point that he's making when he says depart in peace. Because in verse 26, Simeon knows he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And this is just unbelievably beautiful. Because in fact, <clears throat> in fact it is so beautiful, uh, the, the words here, that beginning in the 4th century, already, beginning in the 4th century, Christians incorporated this, these words of Simeon into their services and their prayers each night. So that every night service, whether it was Vespers or Compline, uh, they would gather together and they would sing these words. And they would even pray the, this as a prayer uh, b- before they went to bed at night. In the Reformation, this part of the service, the Nunc Dimittis, became uh, part of the divine service. And this is at the very end of the service. This is the last canticle that we sing. And it comes after we have received the Lord's Supper. And then we sing those words. Now, I want to draw your attention just to one point here. And this is the main point of the sermon. And it's this, which I've already said, that once Simeon held Jesus then he knew he could die in peace. And that's it. I'm sure that Simeon had a lot of things he wanted to do in his life. There were things that he needed to do, and things he needed to arrange, and debts he had to settle, and things he had to fix in the home, and things he had to change and do and go places, and places he wanted to travel, a wish list, things he wanted to experience, and study and get in order, all of these sort of things. And yet, all of that becomes nothing to him. Because once he saw Jesus, and once he had him, he said he could die in peace. Even if a million other things are left undone. Even if he couldn't experience the thousand other things that he wanted. Even if nothing else would get done, even if he were never popular or rich or wealthy or successful, For him, if he had this one thing, then he had all he needed. And this is so comforting because what's true for Simeon is true for all Christians. And it's true for you. There is no list of things that you need to do or accomplish or resolve to do before you die. You don't have to go out and fulfill some life dream or excel in your career, or become a millionaire, 
or make a name for yourself or uh, any of these things, for your life to have meaning and purpose and value, for your life to be fulfilled. You don't need any of it. You only need Jesus. Should you work hard and make the most of your days and enjoy your life? Absolutely. Do these things, of course. But no amount of enjoyment or fun or leisure or success will ever make you ready for death, will ever give you peace even when dying. It will never fill your life with purpose and meaning. And for that, you need only Jesus. And no matter how your life has gone, if it's been great or if it's filled with sadness, if it's tragedy after tragedy, or success after success and wealth upon wealth, or failure after failure, no matter how your life has gone, if you have Jesus the Christ, then your purpose in this life is completely and totally fulfilled. And that is God's will for your life. I know a lot of people are oftentimes wondering and uh, questioning, what is God's will for my life? And they're oftentimes referring to what I'm supposed to do with my time. What am I, where am I supposed to work? What am I supposed to, uh, what kind of person am I supposed to be? And uh, the will for your, God's will for your life is that you would know Christ and that you would be forgiven by him and loved by him. And if you have those things, then your purpose in life is completely fulfilled. And you can die with complete satisfaction knowing that the purpose of your life is fulfilled in him. <clears throat> Real quick, I found a uh, prayer book a number of years ago uh, titled Watch and Pray. And it was in German, uh, written by a German Lutheran pastor in the 1500s. So it's about 500 years old. Uh, the pastor's name was Johann Habermann. And I read through it. Uh, and I read through a number of the prayers, and they're beautiful. And one of the prayers was a prayer uh, for Christians to say on their birthday. And I retranslated it and updated the words um, and prayed it on my birthday each year. And then it was so beautiful that I decided to send it to all of you on your birthdays. And in fact, I just automated it so that it just sends out... <laughs> to you every year, because I can't remember it all. Um, so every year on your birthday, you will get this prayer to pray. And so I'm sure that you already know it. However, I'm going to read it here, and I want you to just pay attention to the words here, it, because it is good not only for the day of your birth, but also the end of the year, uh, a new year even. Listen to these words. It says, Heavenly Father, I thank you with my whole heart that you have placed me in this world and given me life. By your grace alone, you have made me a member of your holy church. And today, I remember the day of my birth, which you have so mercifully given, given to me and given me another year of life. I thank you from the depths of my heart and joyfully say with your word, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. 
And yet, even in this moment of joy, I still humbly remember that every day of my life is one step nearer to death, which can strike me this very hour, yes, even this very minute. So, dear Lord, I beg you to rule, guard, and defend me every day of my life so that I may live according to your will. Be gracious to me. Strengthen my faith. Turn not your face from me and keep me as your dear child who conforms to the promise you made to me in my baptism, where you clothed me with the perfect obedience of Christ, your son, who died to give me life. And if this proves to be my last year, I place all things into your loving hands. If it is your holy and gracious will that I should cease to live, then I have lived enough. For whatever is sufficient for you is sufficient for me. Whatever amount of time and life you have chosen to bless me with is the time and life that I am content with. So I humble myself before you and ask you to deliver me from all evil. If I live this year, may I live in you. And if I die, may I die in you. May I live and move and have my being in you, and whether living or dying, may I be yours forever. Amen. It's beautiful. Dear saints, knowing Jesus and having Jesus is the fulfillment of your life, of all of your days. If you, could, if you have Jesus, then you can die in peace. And this very well could be, this could be your last Christmas. It could be your last year of life. It could be your last service at Zion and the last sermon you ever hear. And this could be the very last hour of your life. I don't know what next year will bring, let alone the next hour. But what I do know is that even if it is, even if your days do come to an end, then you will have heard everything you were meant to hear in this life. Everything you were created to hear. Which is how much God himself loves you. And how much he endured for you. And how much and how deep his undying and unending love is for you. And how he devoted every single cell of his body for your salvation. How he emptied himself lovingly on the cross for you. How he made you his own, not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious blood. And how he would do it all again if he had to. That nothing, he lets nothing get in the way of coming to save you, making you his. For those of you who know this and who hear it and who believe it, you can leave this church in peace. You can go back home in peace. You can leave this year behind in peace. Jesus has made you ready to depart this life in peace. Because no matter how you've lived or what you've done or left undone, no matter how much you suffer and, and, and no matter how you die, all those who cling to Christ in faith die well. That means this, this roof the roof of this sanctuary could collapse on us this very second. 
And we would all die in peace because we have Jesus. We have Christ who is for us. You have a God who knows you and and will take you into his loving arms forever. He has forgiven all of your sins. That is the God you have. That is the God you ought to keep in mind all the time. Keep this gospel and this word in your heart and in your mind forever. You may not even feel ready. I don't know. You may feel ready to die. You may not feel ready. I don't know. But the truth is you are ready regardless of how you feel because Jesus has made you ready. He made you ready with his death and his resurrection, with his blood, by covering all of your sins, giving you righteousness and and salvation and forgiveness forever. Mary held Jesus in her womb, which is a great honor. Simeon held Jesus in his arms, which is a great honor. But you, dear saints, hold Jesus in a deeper and more profound way. You hold Jesus in the very depths of your heart and your soul. When you receive him in your mouth, in the very body and blood of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when he comes to you and he dwells with you and he makes your body his temple. You have Jesus and Jesus has you. And this is all you need to know for today, all you need to know for the year to come, all you need to know for this entire life. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you saints here today. May God give you all faith in your heart to trust him through every trouble and trial and sorrow and day of this life, even when you depart this life, that you would do so in peace with the peace of God. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.